Hello. I am a wafer-eaten, wine-swilling Catholic, and I never, never listen to I Doubt It with Dollamore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. Welcome to the show, episode 410 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore. I'm seated next to one of the greatest podcast co-host in the history of the world, Brittany Page. Wow, you're really excited about that concert tonight, aren't you? <laughs> I you am just, excited. You can't contain it. Well, this isn't having to do with that. I'm just excited for a third episode. Hashtag third episode. Hashtag third episode. Yeah. I think everyone appreciates the hashtag third episode. I hope everyone appreciates. No, I know everyone does. You do? Yeah. You have empirical evidence of this if they don't i don't care because we're putting in the work we are putting in the work son yeah, yeah we're here we're, we're that's it <laughs> we're here yeah we showed up i mean we like we took some time getting some clips together whatever. i got a fucking baby coffee from starbucks Dicks. you did <laughs> yeah you're very unhappy with your baby coffee did we pay for the for the for the man coffee for this full coffee you were so angry that you didn't even want to address the situation i never want you know i don't like to address the situation right but all you have to do is calmly say oh hello sir it seems that my order is wrong could you check to see if maybe something yeah, then, happened because i ordered a vente yeah and... but then i feel like i'm the asshole who's holding up the line did you hear because... the tone of voice though it's it's a very calm, it's yeah, a very friendly... Yeah, but then I, it has nothing to do with that. It's I feel like the asshole... Well, get over it. ...who's, who's holding up the line because we're in the drive-thru yeah, and then... get over it because your order is wrong. And what if you paid for a large and you got a Did baby? Did we? Did we pay for the I Vente? I don't know. I don't know what the prices are supposed know? to be. Oh, we just pay the amount. Yeah. We don't get like an, a, an official account. You know what? Accounting. Don't take your anger out on me. You're so angry with Starbucks. So we're going to a Starbucks. concert tonight, uh, everybody. Jesus. We're going to see Lake Street Dive. Mm-hmm. Maybe my favorite band right now. I'm always tempted to say Lake Street Drive, but it is not Lake Street Drive. It is not. It <laughs> Lake is Lake Street, Street Dive. Dive. Yeah. LSD. Mm-hmm. Yep. Why did you, you had to think about it? Like you did the math in your head, carry the one. Yep, that's right. No, I didn't do math because it's uh, just So words. we're going to the concert tonight and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Mm -hmm. It isn't informing how I do the show right now, but it is certainly, I am a little, the place we're going is a, uh, a standing room only general admission. Mm -hmm. It's not a small, small venue, but it's not like a. A sit-down theater, right? Which, where we've seen them before, mm -hmm. and being tall, both yep. of us are tall, right? Um, again, it's kind of like the drive-through thing. I feel <laughs> like an asshole. See, this is this is great that the the coffee got fucked up because it, it gives me another reason to talk about how I always feel a little bad to process what's happening in your brain that you always feel bad. No, I feel place. I feel bad because I'm stand anybody I'm standing in front of 
because there are few, I mean, there are obviously there are people that are taller than me, but in any given room, there I'm usually the tallest guy in the room. Mm-hmm. There, there's some outliers, but usually they're not happen to be right behind me. In mm-hmm. fact, last time we saw, we went to a concert, there were people who were way taller than me, and those dicks were right in the middle of the room, mm-hmm. like fucking barricades. Yeah. yeah, so I think people that are tall have kind of an obligation, <laughs> and this might be controversial because the two tall guys that were in the middle of the crowd blocking the view for everybody are probably listening to the show and gonna call in and be angry. Well, but, they can fuck off and stand in the back of the room like we do. But I think I think tall people do have a little bit of an obligation to be considerate of this and at least think about it when you are in a standing room only situation. And I know I think about it in terms of like my shoe choice. Like I'm I'm gonna wear flats yeah, because yeah, yeah. if I wear like my wedges, I'm going to be like six, three. And, and so I don't, I don't want to make the problem worse for everybody. (laughs) And normally when I choose where to stand, I choose uh, the back or an area where um, I'm kind of off to the side or something so that I'm not blocking people from seeing the show. Well, we went, I don't remember. We went and saw father John Misty. Mm Mm-hmm. We have a, a buddy who's in the band, so mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm explaining it like I'm embarrassed to have gone to that show. But uh-huh. anyway. <laughs> Is that what you're doing? No, I just was, exp- I, I guess. I don't know why I explained why we went to that show. But I don't remember whether there were seats down below because we didn't even venture down toward the stage. We stayed in the back of the room the whole time. Mm-hmm. When we went to see Joey Dosick, mm-hmm. it was the same deal at the Troubadour where mm-hmm. it's really small. Yeah. And we stayed toward the back and just leaned against that beam by the bar. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just maybe really maybe I'm too maybe I'm too um considerate of I'm always thinking <laughs> about other yeah, that sounds like a, I'm a dick. I'm always thinking about others, but what's I am your, what's your weakness? I, I don't yeah, I'm just too considerate. <laughs> I'm I, a I just, perfectionist. Well one, maybe it's be like a childhood like I don't want to be looked as the bad guy. Uh-huh. So I'm I really don't want to be looked upon as whatever. But also I don't want to ruin someone's time. I know we paid the same thing for our tickets, but why should that person have a less enjoyable situation or a concert than me? Just because I happen to be six foot three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. Are you wanting me to argue? No, I don't the know. Other side? I don't know. It's a weird thing. <laughs> I mean, because uh, I think those dicks who stood in the middle of the room. Yeah. Those guys who were like six foot five. Mm-hmm. They probably had the thought in their head. I mean, they probably didn't think about it at all because they're normal people. But it, in my mind, I was thinking, yeah, those dicks probably are thinking, I paid the same amount for my ticket. Blah blah blah. Hmm. Yeah, I I don't know. I I I think if it's if it's easy to do, if it's then do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean if if it's if it's not gonna put you out and it could help other people, then yeah, what's the big deal? I mean, and I think this is unique to tall people again. Yeah, and this is just another thing that tall people have to deal with. Well, look, it's different when you're at a concert where it's your 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 asshole to elbow. Everybody's packed, jam packed in there because mm-hmm. if you're five foot nine, man or woman, you're five foot nine and standing right behind me, right behind me, where you can tickle my butthole. It's you're not gonna be able to see around me. Mm-hmm. But if you're you know you've got a few, there's room to move and breathe, then you can. 
Yeah, then you can strain your neck the entire concert and look around you. <laughs> it's just different when you're not packed in. There's room. Yeah, you understand what I'm saying, though. Yeah. Right. I think. That that's what people have to do if you're tall and you stand in front of them. Yeah, they yeah. have to figure look out. Look around. Right, right, right. And then it's just a pain in their ass. Yeah. Or in their neck, eventually. Yeah. <laughs> well, depending on how long you have to hold the position, you never know where the pain will travel. Um, yeah. Good times. So there's, I'm stressed out about that, Oh, I guess. my God. I'm not stressed out. Jesus. Well, we've been to this place before. We always end up standing there back by the, the sound booth area where there's like an elevated platform. Yeah. I don't understand why this is happening, but sure. Let's, let's, let's tell everyone the exact coordinates of where you like to stand at each concert venue that you go to. So it was, it was by the pole, by the bar, at the Troubadour. Come on, man. What? What do you want people to go like... Take a picture of it and say, oh, I'm standing at this pool. This is where Jesse D likes to stand when he watches concerts. Yeah, that, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> oh. Wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be a good show. Hmm. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I think we've already seen what's going to happen. So last episode... Last couple of, not last episode because last was kind of a makeup, but we've been talking about masculinity. We've been talking about incels. Um, we ended up talking about uh, the Proud Boys. We're going to get into all of that right now in the course of these voicemails. Let's start with the masculinity topic. Hey guys, this is Chris. I was calling to comment about the men showing their emotions. I agree 100%. There's nothing wrong or unmanly about men showing emotions. I believe it's something we should raise our kids to be comfortable talking about and doing. Uh, I, however, myself am not an emotional person. Um, I don't cry normally. I don't really get upset or teary-eyed type of a thing unless it's certain types of movies where it's you know parents sacrificing themselves for their kids or overcoming the odds type stuff but that's rare um that's just how i am i mean i wasn't raised to hide emotions i'm just the t- i was the type of kid that you know falls and busts his knee or gets punched in the face i didn't cry but i am weird but that's beside the point but anyway, I'm going to raise my son where he's not afraid to show his emotions, and I'll make sure I tell other kids it's okay to show their emotions. But anyway, love the show. I guess what Chris is saying there is uh, he's a robot. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think so. I think that he, he probably is, well, speaking to something that a lot of men experience and whether he knows the source of that or not, some of it could still be a societal influence of boys aren't supposed to cry and boys are supposed to be tough. So whether or not he, he identified that specifically in the culture around him, it probably still influenced him. Sure. Well, it also could be just not, I know women who are what I'd make jokes about them being robots I used to make jokes about you being a robot. Right. So, I mean, it's that's the that's my metric by which I label somebody a robot. Well, you don't I, cry. You know, it's a little right. robotic. And I was raised more how you would expect a, a boy to be raised yeah. in the traditional sense where we couldn't cry. Um, Band-aids were for pussies. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, helmets were also for pussies. Um, a lot of things were for pussies in my household. 
and so I, I grew up not crying about things, too. You also grew up until just recently not having Band-Aids around. They were for pussies. Yeah. <laughs> Did you not hear me say that? <laughs> the first time you ever have bought Band-Aids was maybe a month ago. Yeah. And I forced your hand mm-hmm. on the issue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is correct. So it is. It's not that you, don't, you, you obviously can cognitively figure out the Band-Aids are good. <laughs> but it's just not something that was done in your household, so you're not in the habit of, of swinging by the Target and buying some Band-Aids. Right. Well, right. And along the, the... Going back to, you know, that maybe it's just a... You're not recognizing where that comes from, but it is an influence mm-hmm. that has been influential. No, I think I pretty much knew where it was coming from. Um, <laughs> but but the same thing with Chris, where I was I was tougher, and I didn't cry about things, and I got into fights with boys and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, and and that was because I was raised like that. Yeah. Thanks for the call, Chris. We appreciate it. Uh, next up, John. Same topic. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. It's uh, John from Columbus. Um, two things. First, I know I'm a little behind on sending in a voicemail. Uh, but Brittany, you asked her voicemails about men who um, are not afraid of emotion, basically. Um, and I grew up with a mother who, you know, taught me that it's okay to cry. It's okay to show weakness. Um, it's okay to ask for help. You know, I'm not going to be an ace at everything. I'm not going to conquer everything the first time. Um, but in order to get good at something, in order to be successful, I have to look for the right people and know who to talk to, know who to go to when I don't know something. And, you know, I, I grew up, you know, with people and saying things like, you know, you're a fairy or, you know, you're gay or, or you know, you're a sissy or, what, you know, whatever whatever the insert slang is. Um, but I think that, you know, men who cry, men who can show emotion, men who can handle emotion are, are better men. And, Jesse, I'm right there with you. I'm a freaking hugger, too. Um, and if I ever come out to California and meet you guys – expect a hug because it's going to come uh, once again thanks for the show Brittany's still the best part sorry Jesse we all know it's true love the show Brittany's the best part Bye. we're going to hug it up oh yeah and it's going to be a good time I don't know if I like the the phrase uh, I, we're going to it's going to be a lot of hugs because they're going to come like a little come and hug uh, a little bit too much uh you know what? Juxtaposition just, of those. You know what? Take your toxic masculinity <laughs> and tone it down. Um, no, I think that's great. And I think that, number one, I love having these conversations. I love talking about this stuff and people coming to these realizations and like reflecting on why they are the way that they are. And I just love I talking about this. Weird therapist. I know. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I, I think that a lot of boys are raised like that where they still are told that they're sissies or negative um, slurs about gay people when they express emotion. And I hope that we're getting to a time when it will finally stop. But I still see memes talking about 
that femininity is bad and um, masculinity, boys still need to stay masculine and the changing culture is ruining boys. And I I don't know what Facebook you're on because I don't see these memes. This is the, the second or third time I've heard you talk about that. And you forward me him when you see him because I don't see that shit. It's weird. Well, I maybe it's Facebook just knows I'm a super cool emotional guy. No, and doesn't want to make me more emotional. I love how you're like, <laughs> what kind of non echo chamber do you have going on your social networks? I'm what not is- shitting on you. I really want to see the goddamn memes. Well, they exist. If you're accusing me of uh- lying. Wow, that's where you went. <laughs> that's where you went. I that feel I'm accusing very you attacked lying. right now. God I am damn. backed up into a corner, and I'm gonna fight back. <laughs> um, Calm it down, yes. sister. Okay, so thank you for that call. That was very beautiful. We appreciate it. Yeah, um, John. Thanks, Brett. Number two sent in an email and it's really long. And so I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to read parts of it. And for those who have recently joined or are unaware of who Brett number two is, Brett and Allison were early adopters of the show. And I'm talking early, early, like maybe from the beginning, number one. Yeah, Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, they were some of the first people who listened to the show who we had zero connection to. Right. And um, he- and for that, we love them and they, they hold a special place in our heart. Them, their, their, their child and, and their, apparently their dogs too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So he wrote in and said that he um, basically because of his relationship with his father had this idea of masculinity of like tattoos um, getting in fights, riding motorcycles, because that's what his dad did. Yeah. And that he didn't cry for 20 years. He yeah. didn't admit failure. Um, he, pa- he paints kind of a, a negative relationship with his father. Maybe his father's not the greatest guy. Right. And that, that those ideas about masculinity really influenced what he believed about masculinity. But mm-hmm. then he found out he was having a son. And when he found out he was having a son, he started to think about all of this stuff and stuff started breaking down. So I'm going to read some parts of the the email. Leading up to the election, the day before which my son was born, I watched as the Trump wing of the country, including some of my friends and family, became more emboldened to speak about women, more specifically strong women. Oh, Trump, baby! In a way that made me uncomfortable. Knowing how insecure a quote-unquote man the future president was, it made the insecurities of the men around me even more obvious. My friends, co-workers, and father. Why were they all so insecure in their masculinity that they had to insult anyone who supported women? Isn't that part of being a quote-unquote man, supporting women and other men alike, and appreciating anyone's strength and courage regardless of gender or sex? So I had my son, and I stopped grappling with the issue. I started opening myself up more, seeing a therapist, seeking out friendships that had deeper connection rather than just a beer and sports level. I started hugging my friends and family more. I stopped talking to my father, which is a much longer story, and that was the healthiest thing I could have done for my son and myself. I cried for the first time in two decades when my son met my dogs for the first time. In fact, I cry at movies now, and I enjoy it. Jesse D. watched Kodachrome on Netflix. I was a puddle. I feel freer and more like the man I think I am rather than the one I was told to be. Um, so there's many things he's describing here. Um, it's an awesome email. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. We should maybe post it to the page. Yeah, we'll post the whole thing on the page so you can read it because it, it is great. It's just 
going to take me a while to read it. Well, he acknowledges that it's long. Yeah. We we love that because you really, it's hard to, you really have to be pretty adroit to to fit everything in and, and super pithy. And this is. Yeah. And I want to read so much. Here. I want to read just this last part because this seems kind of like the thesis of the email um, quote. And I wish I could say it was because I had this big epiphany and Trump's election and the male reaction to it certainly contributed. But it really is because I am witnessing how little it matters, how quote unquote masculine my son might be. Allison is with him most of the time. And I want nothing more than for him to be like her and how I wish I could be. I want him to have more compassion, make deeper connections, and be accepting of anyone and everything. You really resonate with that. Yeah, I just think it's really powerful because, again, these memes that are not fake news that I'm really saying that you're trying to gaslight me about. (laughs) um, I don't understand what the issue is, even if boys are being encouraged to be more, quote unquote, feminine. What's the problem? What does that mean? What does that even mean? Yeah, I mean, does it mean being in touch with their emotions? Does it mean wanting to play with dolls? Does it mean liking to wear pink? Like, I don't understand what it means, number one. But if it means those things, then who cares? What does it matter? Well, for, pink is just a goddamn color that society has deemed as feminine. Well, what the fuck does that... That, that, that is nonsense. That is caveman nonsense that we are far beyond i hope as a society i would really like someone to answer what what they what it means yeah because i hear that all the time jordan peterson fucking idiot about the the feminine the femininity and the the feminization of men i know thousands and thousands and thousands i don't know anybody who's being feminized what what does it mean? Well, I, I just, again, so let's say that it does mean those things. Well, because, that's, because what else could it mean? So it's it's not bad, those things. Of course they're not to bad. To become more in touch with your emotions, to cry. Um, it's it's not bad. It's human. Well, I guess <laughs> I guess what I'm asking is, is if you're going to say they're being feminized, then you have to just by virtue of you have to figure out what it means to be masculine. And what does that mean? What does it mean to be masculine? Because there's no there's no real easy good answers. Yeah. Because it doesn't mean being a tough guy. Uh-huh. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean being aggressive. Right. It doesn't mean supporting your family, because women do that too, and that's not a masculine thing they're doing. Right. What the fuck does this mean? Because even, you know, the, the white Deepak Chopra, Jordan Peterson, doesn't define, he just, he rambles, perambulates from point to point, never really saying anything mm-hmm. other than these, these dragging out these tropes with no defined proper meaning. Right. Ugh, it's fucking annoying. It's annoying, Brittany. Well, and I I can identify with Brett, too, wanting to distance himself from his father's idea of masculinity. And, I mean, both of my parents were (laughs) um, aggressive people and fighters. And And emotionally stunted. Emotionally stunted, all of those things. And so they tried to make us that way, too. And I think for the most part, we all generally pushed back against it. Um, and some of us more so than others, but 
it it's only beneficial to let go of those ideas and you don't have to be who your family is and that it's it's fine to stop talking to them too. Um, it is absolutely fine. And if they are not healthy and they are not making your life better, then that is 100% the way to go. So I'm glad that Brett has found um, his way here and that he also is giving a therapy some recognition um, because I think that that is also negatively stigmatized, especially in these communities where quote unquote masculinity is emphasized and talking about your feelings is negative. So awesome. Thank you, Brett and Allison. Yes. And the baby mm -hmm. and the puppies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate it very much. Uh, let's shift gears to the incels, which really isn't, isn't too much of a gear shift. Uh, if you really want to think about it. Hey, this is Eagle from Madison, Wisconsin. Um, I'm going to try doing this while I'm making food. But uh, regarding the topic of incels, incibels, whatever the guys are called, um, I made a really quick observation, and that can just go wherever we want that to go. But this is only happening to straight men. We're not seeing um, homosexual men go into a bar and blow all the guys away because they're not. Um, having sex with them. And this isn't happening to bisexual men who are killing people because no one's having sex with them. This is solely a straight man thing. Um, just something I noticed. Uh, but going off of that, um, I think what we could be seeing is a horrible result of toxic mas uh, masculinity manifesting in these people. And I want to make a really powerful disclaimer that I'm not supporting these guys. I'm not being sympathetic towards them. I think they're terrible people. Fuck them. They're awful. Uh, what I'm worried about is when we raise our future men, our uh, young boys right now, that yes, of course, teach them don't rape, don't kill. Treat women with respect. If no one wants to have sex with you, that's totally fine because it's a two-way road. I think we should definitely do that, yes. What I think we should also do as a society is we might need to tone down the, to be honest, and it's laughable that I'd be mentioning this, but we need to tone down maybe the, the version jokes. Like, you know, someone, of course, this guy needs to fucking get his social awkwardness out of the way. Yeah, he's going to need to do that if he wants to have sex. But I feel like we push virginity way, or we, we, we push like man getting rid of virginity way too hard um, in society. Some guys don't ever want to have sex, and that should be totally fine. Um, asexuals exist. Uh, but some people, they're not ready until, God, in their 30s. And I think that should be totally okay to tell someone that if you're not ready, you're not ready. That's fine. We should definitely think about something like that. I mean, that, that's just me. I don't know. I'm, I'm, like, I want to really emphasize I'm not sympathetic with these guys. What I'm just saying is I think we might need to make some small changes in raising our men and making sure that they understand that they don't have to fulfill this desire at all. It's totally fine. Um, I don't know. Please don't grill me too hard, I guess, on this. Um, uh, love you guys. Bye. 
Yeah, I I don't ground what we would grill you about at all. I agree. Yeah, I agree one hundred percent, especially about the virginity thing. And I think that's actually a really good point and something that we should talk about more. And I watched a TEDx talk called The Virginity Fraud, which was fantastic. And if you haven't watched it, go watch it. Uh, it's it's about women though, and um, the culture that oppresses women through an emphasis on female virginity mm-hmm. and the hymen and all of the myths that surrounding it. It's a flower. It. It's a gift. All that shit. Is that what they get into? Well, and how in in culture certain cultures, uh, women who are not virgins are looked down upon and oh it's like the, the, chewed, the reconstruct the chewed, chewed bubblegum thing from Elizabeth Smart right the reconstructive surgeries that they now offer to like give you like a hymen so that it can be broken and whatever that's fucking weird uh so yes i think that <laughs> this whole virginity thing is weird and it, it probably puts unnecessary guilt on people if they aren't having sex and if they aren't having sex at the time that their peers are having sex yeah yeah it it can be terrible well let me let, let me say this to uh, eagle um just be, just because some dude is lonely and not getting laid and socially awkward or even socially isolated doesn't make them an incel. Incel is a special thing that the the, the term is just now uh, picking up steam, even though it was created back in like 1999 by a queer woman in Canada. Um, it's been kind of bastardized and held hostage, no pun intended, by these maniacs. But um, just because you're you're not you're not getting laid and you really want to get laid and you're you're awkward doesn't make you an incel. Mm-hmm. To criticize the incel is is fine, but to criticize and to be critical and be a dick to these you know these guys who are just they don't got their shit together. Mm-hmm. Eh, that's I think that's a little harsh. Yeah, let's say yeah, and loneliness is an important thing to address, and we certainly, if people are lonely and having difficulty connecting with people, that is something that. We want to help improve and we yeah. want to help people have the tools to break out of that. Um, the difference is with these incels that feel that they are owed sex yeah. and that it is to be given to them through violent means against people's will. And that is the key distinction there. I do also think, um, like he noted, that these are straight white men typically, yeah. um, or he put an emphasis on straight men, I guess. Um it's also women aren't doing this. And there's yeah. there's women that aren't having sex. There's women that are rejected by society and they don't turn into violent women on these subreddits that are advocating rape of men. Yeah. So I saw I think it was on Ian Brinksman, Team Ian mm-hmm. uh, on a on a Facebook post of his and it was it was a, an awesome point that these these douchebags these terrorists, these incels, they're not just devoid of female companionship. Mm-hmm. Your your Elliot Rogers and your Eric Manassian or whatever that fucking guy's other name was in Toronto, um, they're also devoid of normal, functioning, healthy relationships, just friendships. Mm-hmm. They, it's not that they just can't get any women. They can't even get friends because they are... They're toxic. Mm-hmm. They're fucked. Yeah. And it's really terrifying because 
<laughs> they again go online and find these communities of people that reinforce their views and they believe that they are right and it's just creating a bigger problem. Yeah. Thanks for the call, Eagle. Uh, let's move on to a little Jordan Peterson talk. Hey, guys. It's Aaron. Not in Oklahoma anymore. Um, Jordan B. Peterson. Uh, the thing that concerns me most about that guy is that he he makes his arguments seem bona fide. He's got degrees, and he, he's a professor, and, and he looks the part. <clears throat> but he's full of shit. I spent most of my life up into my late 20s wrapped up in that nonsense, and, it's, and it takes a lot of effort to to untangle, and I'm afraid that a large portion of men in our society will not be able to untangle from that nonsense. Um, I'll just talk about be, becoming more feminized. We're not We're not feminizing men. We're better understanding that women and and the way their feminine character is is acceptable. Um, and I've got news for Jordan B., uh, Jordan B. Peterson. The way the society is going, this powerful male, you know, control by power and force is, is going away in modern society. Um, we're realizing that that brains and 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 clever people, uh, um, a lot more women than men, um, are are pretty damn good leaders. It's going to leave people like him in the dust. I I hope. Um, I don't I don't know what else to say about that guy. <clears throat> he he makes guys like me look bad because I look like I would listen to Jordan <laughs> Jordan Peterson. Uh, I look the part, and that's unfortunate for me, but. Um, I hope I hope more people like me will continue to treat women right or try to at least and uh and move forward for a fair society. I love you guys. Jesse, quit interrupting Brittany. Oh. <laughs> Fuck you, Aaron. <laughs> He's interrupted me a hey, couple of times on this episode, am I right, Aaron? What does uh so as I was saying, yeah. Sorry that the the middle of my sentence interrupted the beginning of yours. There it is. Uh what does it mean to to look like you'd be listening to Jordan Peterson? That was my question. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I really don't know what that means. I don't either. Does it mean he kind of looks like Jordan Peterson? I don't know. I really don't know. Which wouldn't be unfortunate. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's a he's a he's a an unattractive dude. Well, especially now that he has a little money. Yeah, like I've been saying, and I was happy that the New York Times article addressed this because oh, did they? Yes, because he has really. <laughs> improved his style and his appearance and i think it's the money he's he making to, 80 grand a month on patreon alone yeah he used to really look like that sloven kind of professorial yeah they don't really know how to dress and yeah they grabbed his 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 clothes from the bottom of the pile on the floor before he got to yeah, work Yeah, it looks like he hired a stylist and for sure and when he was on uh bill maher him into shape when he was on bill maher he looked sharp yeah so <laughs> i think i'm starting to love that guy oh he's so handsome <laughs> Um, he's such a man. And I, I agree with what he's saying, that it is concerning that um, he gives the appearance of being a very 
intelligent professor, researcher, clinical psychologist, even though he's not really talking a lot about clinical psychology. I I read something that he was like giving his opinion on economics or something. I know. Jesus. Wait a minute. What? Your degree isn't in everything, bro. It's just not just that. When you're truly an academic, you know where your expertise lies Mm -hmm. and you don't really go beyond it. It's only assholes like me who talk about a bunch of different shit they don't really know about. Yeah. I mean, if he (laughs) maybe it's maybe it's a hobby for him and he really enjoys reading about economics. I don't know. Um, So (laughs) the point is, I I think I think that these people just kind of find a way to grow their platform. Yeah. And they take advantage of it. And just because you're educated or um, intelligent doesn't mean that you're like against doing that. And so I think that that's kind of what he what he has going on right now. He sees that what he's doing is working. He's getting a lot of attention. It's a cash grab. He's making a lot of money. And so he's going to keep going yeah. with it. And the unfortunate part of that, too, is that it further incentivizes him to continue being the way that he is. Unfortunately, the continued attention, the money pouring in, all of that stuff, it doesn't incentivize someone to say, you know what? I'm going to reevaluate my position on this. Yeah. I'm going to like read the other side and right. see what the other side has to say. You're just further reinforced to become more who you are. Yeah. And that's not good. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Aaron, you thinks- should have played the more you know after I <laughs> did that little speech. <laughs> Since always, you were looking at me like I'm the worst. Always at the ready. Mm hmm. So um, <laughs> that's better. So yeah. we have uh, we have a call from Mark the Mailman. Okay, our but- our consistent contrarian. Yeah. But before we do, it's about it's about Proud Boys and a claim that they're not they're not racist. That's not a racist thing. But before we do, well, I'll just say we're going to get to it on the other side of the break. Support for I doubt it with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and. Good-looking listeners like you, by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. That is definitely something you should do. But if you don't want to do that and you want to support us in other ways, you're free to do that too. So if you shop on Amazon... Come on. We all shop on Amazon. I know Who you do. Who doesn't shop on Amazon? Just go to dollamore.com slash Amazon before making that Amazon purchase. And then we'll get a little bit of what you buy. <laughs> Not the products, but just yeah, a little, it just, little change. It redirects you to the Amazon website. Right. Nothing is different. You don't pay anymore. Exactly. We just get credit for it. Credit for taking you to Amazon as if you didn't know about it already. Like a little tip. Yeah. Like a little tip jar. If you want some I Doubt It with Dollamore merchandise, I'm talking mugs, shirts. I'm I'm talking mugs. (laughs) I'm talking shirts. Hoodies. I'm talking tote bags. I'm the puppet t-shirts. Whatever you need. Okay. Classy laid tees. We've got it all. Just go to dollamore.info. You know you want to do that, okay? Wow. And if you haven't, please review us on iTunes because it helps us uh, reach new listeners. I almost said viewers. Uh, Just make sure you don't cuss on that, okay? And I think we're done with this now. Let's go ahead and move back to what we were talking about. Um, So, Quite the promo. For the people who are like, ah, God damn it, they're going to play another voicemail from Mark the Mailman, and they're talking about Gavin McGinnis and the Proud Boys. Here's why this is important. Because you have the alt-right, 
And you have people like Richard Spencer, Jared Taylor, um, David Duke. Avowed white supremacists. Right. People who aren't afraid of showing it. People who are open about it, right? But then you have people like uh, the Proud Boys and Gavin McGinnis, who are right-wing groups that like to pretend that they denounce the alt-right. But they're really like the stepping stone to get you introduced to these racist ideas in a way that we will illustrate that dances around it so that there's like plausible deniability that really starts taking you into the territory of becoming a full-fledged white supremacist. But before we do that, mm-hmm. let's uh, let's play Mark the Mailman's um, query to us, his, his, his correction, if you will. Again, he's our consistent contrarian, and here he is. Hey guys, Mark the Mailman here. Uh, gonna try and make this quick. I wanted to discuss your most recent episode where you talk at the top of the podcast about... Gavin McInnes and the Proud Boys and uh, Vic Berger. So I've been looking for more information on this story. Um, I believe that what you say is true, that uh, somebody went to Vic Berger's house and threatened him and, you know, that they had some orders either from Gavin McInnes or from somebody to dox him and his family and all that shit's terrible and I, I don't obviously... Uh, agree with it. I don't think it's cool. I don't think it's right. But uh, what I did want to discuss, and you might have suspected I would call in regards to this because I seem to be the only voice of dissent, uh, unless I'm just the only voice of dissent that you guys uh, play on air. But I just wanted to um, challenge the idea of what Jesse said about the Proud Boys being a white supremacist group. White supremacist. Not sure. I, I never know if there's an extra syllable in there. Supremacist or supremacist? Let me know. The but, former. Um, I think he specifically said they're quasi-white supremacist. And I just wanted to challenge that because as far as I can tell, they are not that. They are a group that is uh, male, only male which I think is fine. There are plenty of groups that are only male, only female, so that aspect I think is fine. I don't agree with their uh, support of Trump. Their kind of unwavering, crazy support of Trump. I'm not a Trump supporter at all. But I see no evidence of them being white supremacist. Uh, I watched some Gavin McInnes videos, and I I saw one where he explicitly states that they're a multiracial group. And I've actually seen members of the Proud Boys who are black, uh, members who are Hispanic, (laughs) who are Jewish. And, you know, some people could say, well, um, you know, you could have black friends and still be racist, which I don't really see too much validity to that argument. I I think if a, a group is going to be white supremacist they're not going to allow other you know other races into that group so uh just wanted to know if you guys jesse specifically i guess i'm talking to had any examples of of them being white supremacist i know they're conservative i know they're pro-trump um you know you can align them kind of with some mra stuff and and again i'm not a member i don't necessarily support them but i do always feel the need to call out false accusations false accusations if i see them so uh yeah if you want to expand upon that love to hear from you guys keep up the good work later 
Mm-hmm. So there's a lot here, but let's start from the back end. Um, and I want to specifically address the there are black proud boys and um which there are latino proud boys yeah. i guess he said there was actually um i think on an episode of this american life that's called zoe chase that's called right white haze that's the name of the episode it's from september 2017 if you want to listen to it it was all about the proud boys and gavin mcginnis and uh they focused on how one of the one of the former proud boys who organized the charlottesville rally Jason Kessler. Right. A former Proud Boy who organized the rally. And it also focused on, I believe, a black member who withdrew from the organization right. because of the problematic racist well, let's, views. Really quickly, before you move on, um, Jason Kessler was kicked out after the, the all that shit went down. So they, they can, if it's been said that if you see a Proud Boy at a, at a alt-right rally... It's because they're they were never really a proud boy, or they're just wearing what we wear so they can malign us. It's come on, get the fuck out of here. No one believes that. So, I I know that my personal experience doesn't generalize, um, but given that I was raised in a white supremacist household and I, my parents were um, pretty prominent in the white supremacist community in Idaho at the time when Aryan Nations existed. Um, because it was headquartered in Idaho. Right. That's, I mean, it wasn't like a satellite location. They moved right. to be at ground zero. Right. So my parents would always have skinheads over to the house for their um, parties on the weekends. And it wasn't just white people that were there. Right. And they had the swastika armbands. They had the swastika flag in the garage, the Confederate flag, um, the whole thing. I mean, it was obvious what was going on there. But there were people of color there. And I remember a Mexican man in particular that used to hang out at the house. Um, so don't ask me why that's the case. But that was the situation. Right. So so according to Mark, there's no way your dad could be racist if he consorted with people of color. Right. They can, it's ridiculous. They can still believe that these people are not human or um, don't deserve the same rights, that white people are superior to them and be around them. I know. That's, that's a thing that can happen. I personally know people who, are, who have problematic views on race who are in long-term committed relationships with people of color. And a lot of times it's... And by the way, we're going to get to clips... It's not just going to be our opinion here. We're going to get to some clips. But a lot of times with these people, it's because, oh, you're one of the good ones. Right. Oh, this problem generalizes to everyone else, but somehow you found your way out right. of being like the other animals. Not only that, when I was in middle school, one of my closest friends was black. And I actually reached out to her mom on Facebook a couple months ago. And I said, you know, I don't really remember this time well, so I just have a couple questions for you. Did you know that my parents were white supremacists when you let uh, your daughter come over to my house? And she said that she actually talked to my parents about it because when she dropped off her daughter, she saw the swastika flag in the garage and that she panicked and went off on my dad and said, like, you better not say anything to my kid. 
just let them be kids and play. Don't start talking yeah. shit to her, it's you awesome. know, and defended her kid. I mean, how scary would that be? Your daughter wants to play with her friend. Because your dad's a giant dude. But too. her friend <laughs> is like at this Nazi house, yeah. you know, what a terrifying situation. But anyway, Gavin McGinnis is also married to a woman of color. I don't know if you knew this. Mm-mm. And he uses this to defend his views. So there was, I'm reading this article about him. And uh, at one point they talk about how he opened one of his shows talking about cuck commercials, you know, like cucks. Yeah. Trust me. (laughs) I've been called a cuck hundreds of times. Do you want to define what a cuck is? Well, it comes from the word cuckold, which means typically these assholes, they they use it as um, a, a white man who uh, enjoys or gets sexual gratification from watching a black man have sex with his wife, mm-hmm. have sex with his own wife, not the black man's wife. Right. And so he was talking about cuck commercials, uh, TV spots that he believed were subverting the culture by depicting emasculated men or mixed race couples. Yeah. Okay. Well, they talk about, he tweets about white genocide a lot. Yeah. And, but, but he says, quote, I've made mixed race babies. I'm not against it clearly, but it just gets annoying when it's shoved down your face. Okay. Yeah. Not it doesn't seem very racist. This at is all. what I'm talking about with the dancing around it and trying to have plausible deniability. So you're talking about how interracial relationships shouldn't be on these cuck commercials. But then you're like, well, wait a minute though. I'm not racist though, because I my babies are mixed race. So I just don't want to see it and I want it to stop because I want the white culture to be the dominant culture. Yeah, wouldn't wouldn't him talking about his mixed race babies be shoving it down his audience's throats? Yeah, so Get the fuck out So of again, here. Gavin McGinnis is someone who tries to use that to dance around it. But we have plenty of clips here to illustrate the going even further than that. Yeah, let's uh this is Gavin McGinnis, the founder of the Proud Boys, if if you're in a if you're in an open place and this is playing loudly, I'm going to talk this. You're going to want to turn the volume down or get to headphones or turn it off right now, because this isn't this is NSFW as they say, not safe for work. <laughs> so I'm talking and I'm talking. I'm giving you plenty of time to get to the goddamn stop button. Mm-hmm. But this here is Gavin McGee. You tell me. Here's a montage of Gavin McGinnis not being a racist. Why do you have to go like, oh, Zig Heil? Why can't you go, oh, yeah, that's wrong, too. They shouldn't do that either. This is not wrong. Big fucking it is. Zig Heil, Zig Heil, Zig Heil, Zig Heil. Nigger. He's nigger. Can a nigger get a nigger? The word nigger. Nigger. A nigger. Nigger pool. Niggerdly. It's nigger. Get nigger. No. Those niggers are like fucking nigger. You gotta come up with some nigger. He runs back nigger. See a nigger. Look at that mulatto who runs it. Nigger. Nigger. Pull up a nigger video. Nigger. Jeez. If you don't want to get people mad, don't be annoying. The Egyptians, Hitler, you keep getting people real mad at you. So that's Puerto Rican. I've noticed Puerto Ricans are so fucking verbose. It might be because they're drunk, because they don't have a job, so they've been having those little tiny Budweiser's all day. These young transsexuals. I don't like to say trans. Oh, whatever. Gender niggers. Uh, I'm still not anti-Semitic, but I'm fucking right at that door. Next, I want to get chinks. A filthy Jew. Same with... Jew? Again, the Jews always steal everything. Mexican, dude, we know you're a little fucking Aztec. God, I wish I had a body like that spick. Here, we're nigger. All these niggers here, vol nigger. Nigger. Like, I'm a nigger. And it's nigger. Hey, nigger. Niggers. Women are the niggers. I say nigger all day long. You're nigger transitioning. That fucking nigger. Nigger. You nigger, yeah! These greasy sand niggers. 
seems like a loving humanist right there. Mm-hmm. Not a racist at all, Brittany. I don't know what, what gave you the idea. That That's not racism. Mm-hmm. I suppose he has a, a context for every one of those almost 100 times that that word was said. There must be a specific context well, under which minute, he said Wait a minute, wait a minute. You said that word. He used all of the words. Yeah. He was using all of the racial slurs. Yeah. So for people who want to say, oh, maybe he was like quoting somebody or maybe he was doing this... There were several instances in there where that's clearly not the case, even in the small amount of context that you had. Um, But if you don't, if that's not enough, then like, let's continue. Yeah, here's here's uh, Gavin McGinnis giving space and giving interview time to Jared Taylor, avowed white supremacist we've talked about on this show many times. American uh, Renaissance is his organization or his magazine that he publishes. Here, you're going to, I'm going to explain it when he does the the noise. On the video, when he goes, that sounds like a hoo-hoo, and he makes a noise, he's putting his hand up to his nose in, in, a, in an anti-Semitic no- motion, creating a big nose. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely racist. Here it is. This and also, by the way, is was the, the main researcher on this is Edmund Rubenstein. He's a, a very well-known economist and researcher. He did a really fantastic, thorough job. So, Sounds uh, like a... <laughs> What's this? That's uh, my uh, Jew uh, finger thing. Ah, well, uh, you know... Just uh, kidding. We're not anti-Semites here. Nope, as nope, as nope. you yourself put it, it gets to the point where people want to blame the Jews if it rains on their birthday. You're quoting me precisely, <laughs> and you're imitating me brilliantly. Thank you. Well, that's because I'm white. <laughs> oh, you're merciless. Just, just a, kidding. <laughs> it gets taken away with, oh, just kidding. Just a couple of goofy white supremacists having a laugh about the Jews. You know how it goes. Honestly, no. So for people who, I don't know why people want to give everyone the benefit of the doubt here. Like Mark was saying that he doesn't necessarily agree. He doesn't necessarily. Doesn't necessarily support Listen, and, no, and he wants to take time out of his day because he doesn't want Gavin McGinnis to be maligned. It's it's the thing that Sam Harris just did with Stefan Molyneux, which was weird as shit given the comments that Stefan Molyneux has made in the past and his connection to these communities. Um, if, if you don't, if you don't want to take it from people who have experienced this and come from these communities and know how white supremacists talk and behave and how they act and how they try to pass in normal society, then I don't know what to tell you because this right here, this is what they do at home. Yeah. And he's acting like he's kidding, but he's not. And Jared Taylor's laughing, thinking that it's funny when he makes a a turns to the side so you can see his profile, puts his no, his thumb under his nose and the remaining fingers at, at his forehead to make a long nose gesture talking about someone with the last name Rubenstein. Okay. Why would anyone think that the that the Proud Boys founded by that guy would be white supremacist, Mark? And further... Why, Mark, do you devote so much fucking energy defending, standing in the gap, quote unquote, setting the record straight 
for this guy. Why the fuck are you carrying water for a racist? Here's another clip if it hasn't been enough already. They're idiots and we already know that. But my question is, where the hell are the Christians calling for, frankly, yes, conquering Bethlehem, but also defining very fine lines around our allies in whatever the hell region and making sure that none of this toxic nonsense comes in, especially within our homelands. But what the fuck is the matter with Jews? (laughs) We're here in a brainwashing trip. (laughs) To learn how perfect they are. And all I've been learning is how imperfect they are. I've been becoming more and more annoyed by them. And I think a lot of people out there are fair-minded individuals. And they might be straining themselves to be thinking. Every one of these clips has been very short. Mm -hmm. Too short to really glean any context from what they're saying. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give you further context. I'm going to play a clip that's a little over three minutes long, and you can just hear him ramble on about the Jews. He took a, 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 a trip to Israel that apparently was funded by some Israeli organization or maybe even the government. I don't know what the purpose of the trip was, but he... He contends that it was a brainwashing uh, instrument of Israel. Here is him talking about his trip to a Holocaust museum. Here he is talking about that trip in general to Israel. Full, rich with context. This is basically a brainwashing trip. I mean, I think the Jewish, the Israeli government paid for this, and we had donors too, but I think they were mostly Israelis that assumed that we're going to uh, listen to all this shit we get fed. And that is having the reverse effect on me. I'm becoming anti-Semitic, like at the Holocaust Museum, or as I call it, the Holocaust Museum. In quotes. (laughs) Yeah, like at one point. I guess we're going to start and stop as we go. Well, I mean, you could hear it, but he yeah, put no. it in quotes. He put it in quotes. Uh, the Holocaust, quote unquote. Right, and then he laughs. And then, ha, 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 just kidding. Right. Just kidding, everybody. I'm just kidding. Right, and again, for people who might want to defend this and say, well, listen, he's like making jokes about this. He's just a funny guy. Like, no, you, you have a platform and your platform is very closely tied to the alt-right and prominent alt-right leaders because Richard Spencer praises yes. your videos um, and then he tries to like cuss at Richard Spencer on Twitter to put some distance to make it look like he's not trying to please him. Well, whatever. Your message is still pleasing the white supremacists. And then you try to act like you're having you're them on your show. Yeah. So I, this is all just this is not funny. It's not a joke. This is what he really believes. And he tries to put distance between it by giving a little giggle in between. And for some reason, people... People like Mark fall for it. And the tour guy goes, you know, and there are people who think that uh, this didn't happen. And I felt like I felt myself defending the, the, the super far right Nazis just because I was sick of being so much brainwashing. And I felt like going, well, <laughs> they never said it didn't happen. Uh, what they're saying is that it was much less than six million and uh, that they they starved to death and they weren't gassed, that they uh, didn't have supplies and they uh, were starved to death, and they, they were horrible, and people, there was mass graves, and all the pictures are real and everything, but um, uh, it wasn't gassing. I'm not saying it wasn't gassing. Please don't take that clip out of context, but that's what the uh, far-right nuts are saying. God damn it, they showed this footage, too, of these. 
That's what the far right nuts are saying that I really feel like defending because I'm at the Holocaust Museum and I'm getting annoyed at the tour guide telling me information about the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. That's where his head is when he's at the Holocaust Museum. Mm -hmm. He goes to annoyed land and convinces himself to want to defend far-right Nazis. Mm-hmm. And then goes forth and lays out the, 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 the Holocaust denial argument. Yeah, well, that's not... Lays it out. It's not just contrarianism, right? <laughs> that's, that's racism. I yeah. mean, you, you feel that in your heart. There's, there's something that's coming up for you while you're there. And it's not the gravity of history. It's not holy shit. I'm going to take this in. It's how can I fight back against this narrative? Dead bodies getting bulldozed. I mean, the most graphic footage you've ever seen. Children, naked women, emaciated, being thrown in big piles. Blah. But. But. There's been a lot of genocides. <laughs> Are you fucking Mal killed me? 70 million. The guy, I, I read about this guy that the Sarnev brothers are named after that killed five percent he's a muslim he killed something like five percent of the muslim population sarnev anyway uh stalin you know with the bolsheviks killed 30 million Mm. but the russians don't talk about that they don't even necessarily see it as a horrible thing holodomor was ukrainians i think it was 10 million ukrainians that were killed that was by jews that was by marxist stalinist left-wing commie socialist Jews. (laughs) Jews. <laughs> you see what this fucking place is doing to me? Even with the Nazis, yeah, I was it's like, the place. well, wasn't the Treaty of Versailles, wasn't that disproportionately influenced by Jewish intellectuals? And the Treaty of Versailles was the deal Germany got after World War I. It sucked, and Germans hated it, and they were basically told that it, they had to give all their money back to the uh, Allies and, you know, to pay this undue penance for World War One, And that sort of you suck, you suck, you suck, and also having to pay, give away all your money to taxes makes white people mad. And when they said that Jews are the ones who came up with this stupid plan, they said, well, then I hate Jews. There's more to come. In case that's not clear, he's rationalizing hatred of Jews. That's exactly right. He's explaining it in a way that, oh, this is, this is what happened. White people get tired of being told you suck you suck you suck and having to pay taxes and there's consequence when that happens to white people and then you had the nazi party and then you had world war ii and then you had six million jews and then you have the holocaust museum and then you have this guy who won't stop god they're so obsessed with the holocaust and yes i know it was bad don't get me wrong. I'm chuckle, not pro-Holocaust. That'd be funny in your Twitter bio if it just says pro-Holocaust. <laughs> um, uh, that'd be hilarious. But it's a strange thing. It's like a liberal thing. It's arguably a white thing, but it's a Jewish thing to sort of dwell on the past and this whole nation state. They talk about 75 years ago, my people were killed. Uh, always the Jews always killing us. We are always the scapegoats. I was sort of getting Russian there. And then you look at other countries like Pol Pot in Cambodia and, and uh, the massacres uh, all over Polynesia. They, they talk about it like, yeah, that was some crazy times. You know, North Koreans, they like Kim Jong-un. And 
I don't know if it's healthy to dwell. They dwell because their people were almost eradicated completely. And to bring up higher numbers in other genocides is unbelievably, that's fuckery of the highest order. I'm I'm thinking about how people listening to this who may be sympathetic to I don't know why but the group or Gavin or whatever um thinking well I'm I'm really stuck on this point that he has um a wife that's a woman of color and I can't rationalize that with what he's saying. Yeah. Well, think of think of it like this. There's many women that are um complicit in misogyny. Or have misogynistic attitudes. And sure. Tommy Laren is one of these who likes to retweet people who call her um, a misogynist or whatever and say, oh, so I hate myself. She likes to make a little joke. Yeah. But the thing is... Because she's a fucking moron and it's too deep. It's too too complex, too nuanced an argument for her. Yeah. During the election, I saw women interviewed um, by various news organizations. I think it was on Vice that I'm thinking of in this specific instance. Saying that a woman shouldn't be president because right. she's not qualified or capable. Right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that they their role is in the home and these traditional views. And this was a woman saying this. So <laughs> it is possible for people to hold these views while being close to or loving individuals that they're talking about. Gavin McGinnis goes on jags about white genocide. But he is participating in "quote unquote" white genocide. Keep in mind, let's let's just a very brief refresher because we're going to wrap here. Um, white genocide isn't the actual physical killing of in, any individual. It is mixing the races. Where if I marry or have sex and have a child with someone of color, that baby is part of white genocide because rather than having a white baby with a white woman, I am helping to uh, dilute the white race and get rid of the white race through through birth rates. Right. And they talk about white genocide in terms of immigration as well. And Gavin McGinnis goes on about that too. Um, allowing people of color into countries then uh, causing a diminished white population and an increase in um, people of color. And that this is a problem. That this is somehow a problem. They believe very strongly it's a problem. Right. And so you have to wonder what's motivate, what's motivating that. And in a lot of cases, it's the concern that, uh, like we've talked about before, there was a caller, I think, two episodes ago that talked about the issue of assimilation. How they always say, oh, they can't assimilate. That they can't be like white people for some reason. They other, yeah. They otherize people who aren't white. Yeah. Like they're not going to be able to join the quote unquote dominant culture. So all of these arguments, I I don't know how one can come away and say Gavin McGinnis doesn't have racist attitudes, that he's not a racist, that the proud boys that follow him don't have these racist leanings um, or are not racist themselves. I, I don't know how that is possible. And then the other thing that confuses me is how easy this evidence is to find, how it's everywhere. Yeah. And uh, This American Life did an episode about it. Um, it's it's out there in prominent news um, organizations. So if you haven't heard this, 
you don't want to. Yeah, right? well, you heard it now. Now there's no excuse. Well, and so for those of you who are maybe listening to this and like you barely made it through because you don't really care, you should care. Because again, this is a group that has many members. Gavin McGinnis has a large audience and he is trying to get around. Their objective is to racist. normalize this. Yeah, to normalize it. To make this it, more palatable for the every, to everyday. To slowly allow people to build more extreme views. That's what this is. This is a stepping stone. Yes. Remember after Charlottesville when they had the quote-unquote free speech march in Boston? That was a proud boys thing. This isn't some peaceful oh, fraternal order of the proud boys. There are nefarious, sinister motives behind this, led by a fucking racist piece of shit. And then I want to address one more thing, um, which is Mark not being certain about uh, Vic Berger's life actually being threatened by the Proud Boys and, and Gavin McGinnis. And there is a video from, I believe, episode 253 of the Gavin McGinnis show. And I don't know if that's on YouTube or whatever, um, where he actually talks about how there's a four, quote unquote fourth degree to become a Proud Boy. Um, to be a fourth degree proud boy. Yeah. And he says that you need to fight for the cause or be arrested for the cause. Yeah. So. He's also advocated for violence, more violence from Trump supporters in the past. Right. Yeah. Uh, like choking people that yeah. are, that are um, anti-Trump. Um, I believe he used the phrase choke a bitch. Choke a tranny, too. And, and yeah. also said that. So He's a piece of shit. So this is just someone who I, I don't really understand, you know, taking time out of your day to, like, make sure. You, you could have done that with a Google search. But I, I guess... We well, are, he doesn't necessarily support the Proud but Boys. But I, I guess the important point here is, though, that, that Mark has allowed us the opportunity to show people, so now that they are armed with the evidence as well, when someone might ask them, now, wait a minute. The Proud Boys and Gavin McGinnis aren't alt-right. Yeah. And and they will now have the beginning of, I hope that they go research it more on their own as well, uh, to to continue to spread the word here about how dangerous this organization is and how closely tied to the alt-right beliefs that it is and um, fight back against it. Hopefully... We don't lose as many listeners and Patreon supporters as we did last time we talked about something that uh, was new information for people. Well, I want to say this, too. For people that are like, I just want to hear an hour of you guys shitting on Trump. That gets old and it's it's easy to do because he's always doing terrible things and we're, we're following it. And it's almost to the point where I've like reached my saturation point with it. And I think it's also important to try to figure out what's going on in these offshoots of alt-right, people right. alt-light, whatever, and these prominent leaders and how they're, how they're convincing people to join their ranks and being able to, number one, identify it when you see it and to argue against it when you see it. Um, because we can only do so much, but education we can educate others if they may if they may not know yeah and so hopefully people will when they see this call it out that's that's what the hope is very important yeah 
We are going to leave you there. Thank you for joining us. Episode 410. If you want to help us move the conversation forward, you can go to Patreon, dollamore.com slash Patreon. But if you, if you really just want to take part in the conversation, that is awesome. We would love to hear from you about these and any other topics. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We will see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. Just kidding. We're not anti-Semites here. (laughs) 